Hello and welcome to Let Us Learn More, a podcast focused on produce industry education. As you know, we at the Packer put on a number of events each year and we wanted to preserve all the great information that comes from those educational sessions. This season of the podcast is focused on our Sustainable Produce Summit. So without further ado, enjoy the session. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. My name is Ashley Nickel. I'm the retail editor for the Packer newspaper and the editor for PMG Magazine. We are so excited to have join us today John Chamberlain, the Vice President of Global Marketing for Liminera, and Edgar Gutierrez, the Vice President of Agricultural Operations for Liminera. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. I know Liminera is working on, on so many facets of sustainability and John, you're going to start us off, of course, with some background about just all those different areas and some of the things you guys are pursuing within them. Great, great. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Ashley, for this opportunity. We love the Packer. We love your new publication. It's great and very informative. So let's talk a little bit. All right. So the thing about Limonera, too, Limonera has been around for 126 years. And when you look at uh, the company, these guys were entrepreneurs, they were pioneers, and they were just doing things to really reduce all of these very expensive agricultural inputs uh, to make their margins higher. And as a result of that, they really, really were trending lighter on the land. So it's really been part of our mission. They didn't do it consciously. They were doing it from a business sense, but it just happened to be that a lot of the th- these efforts and initiatives that they were doing really were sustainable. So it's part of our mission statement and part of our philosophy. So um, we have, we put together a way of looking at this. Um, So this basically just talks about uh, the first thing. And so this is, what I just kind of what I just talked about was to protect our asset base, but then also to provide leadership and resources for the betterment, betterment of our communities and to encourage and support the development of our employees. This it's a little hard to see, but what we've tried to do is divide all of these different things into a way that's easy to communicate them. So we have resources, we have nature and we have people. And so the resources, if you're utilizing less of them, that's important too. And the nature, you're doing things that are basically impacting the land less. Uh, And then people too, because it's important to sustainability. If you're looking at ESG ratings, environmental, social, and governance ratings. So the social is all about the things that you're doing to, you know, strengthen your community, to help your employees. Sustainability is an all-encompassing uh, uh, concept. So, and it's it's a full circle. And so, if you're sustaining your community, communities, you're sustaining your employees, you're sustaining the earth. It all is self-reinforcing. So, this is a way that we we have all of these different things. And so, we have inputs with respect to harvesting. We're using we have harvesting methods that are. Um, uh, less intensive, we use less water, we have electrical energy, we have seven different solar arrays throughout our company, and then 
you're utilizing people too at different time periods so that basically you're using less energy and you're using less water and lots of different resources that we're, we're using less of. So um, let me advance this. Here, so here, for example, all right, so we have, we have a new facility, Edward's not going to talk about this, he's going to talk about a few other things, but we have a new water project, for example. This water project takes, you know, water from our packing facility and also our farm worker houses. We're also a leader in farm worker housing, too, because, of course, we haven't discovered that trees, you know, lemons pick themselves yet. You know, they may be doing automated intelligence or artificial intelligence to get to a point where the lemons will drop into a container. But right now we need people to do that. And so we have farm worker houses on the property so that they don't have to drive as far due to their places of work. So less auto emissions to do that too. And then the water that's discharged from the houses and our packing facility goes through patented technology uh, that are seven different water ponds on the property that reduces, it uses photosynthesis, it uses plant materials, and it steps down the water so that it's treated to Title 22, California 22 drinking standards. So um, this was great technology developed by a gentleman in uh, Westlake Village in California, who's also done projects in China. Um, solar, solar is a big thing. California, so under Governor Schwarzenegger, a couple of governors ago, developed um, incentives because he wanted all everybody in California to, to get at least 20% of our energy from renewable sources by 2020. And I, we're definitely on target for that. And so they put incentives in and they uh, gave you grants to do this. And so we put our first solar orchard in, in 2008. And uh, we have little English miniature sheep that run underneath the solar panels and they graze so you don't have weed whackers. And if you look at Europe, a lot of the farmers in Europe will use you know, sheep and they'll use other uh, animals to really graze. So you have to have guys out there with weed whackers doing this. So we try to use um, different ways of just being uh, more respectful of the earth. So we also use water as a huge issue. I mean, we have drone technology. We have deep water uh, probes that go down to the earth to get the water exactly to where the uh, water's got to be so that you're not overwatering. Um, and there's a lot of other technological advances just with respect to water. Also, okay, we have compost things. So this is another thing that uh, everybody used to see here in California, and I think this is happening throughout the United States too, that everybody at, at their homes have paper waste, they have um, garbage or food waste and then they also have grass clippings and it goes to the landfill where there's a lot of methane and co2 that comes out of those landfills and so that depletes you know the ozone layer and so now this all of this uh the green waste and grass clippings that go used to go to the landfill go to a 12 acre processing facility at limonera there's too much nitrogen in the uh, grass clippings to spread it out over the orchards directly so what you do is you use construction material and so people within the building industry bring you know old doors and ever all sorts of old wooden things together and then they mix it up and then they spread it out and they age it and then you put it over the orchards and it reduces the water by about a third 
the herbicides and the fertilizers too. Um, and it also, Edgar's going to talk a little bit about, so I don't want to get into the beneficial insects because that's a project that he's talking about uh, in a minute. But let me talk about another one here. Uh, production methods, we talked about that. Hours are being uh, reduced so that you're, you're using energy at a less, uh, a less costly kilowatt hour. We have a Tesla battery project too that stores the energy so that you can offload it to the grid during day parts where everybody is uh, utilizing their energy. Right now, it's very, very hot in California and, you, and in, you've got rolling brownouts that are happening. I, I don't know if you heard, uh, there was on the news last week that, you know, they, they, uh, California Edison basically reduced the large seconds. There were a lot of people that were, uh, had uh, brownouts. So what we know is we can store energy in the Tesla battery project and then deploy it when we need to do it and it reduces our energy costs to uh, significantly lower. And also we've reduced our energy cost to about seven cents a kilowatt too. And energy as energy continues to increase, we've locked in our energy rates. Uh, and then we also, when we're planting, we have 13,000 acres of land that we, uh, that we have in, that we operate on in California and three different growing areas in California and also Chile and Argentina. And so when we're looking at where we're planting things, we look at the where we're planting items to make sure that they're conducive to those uh, to that geology and to those geographic areas so that they grow properly. And Edgar knows a lot more about this and he can address it too, but you're making sure that you're not putting crops into areas where they're just not gonna function as well. Community. Okay, so we, we do things to strengthen the community too. Uh, we have here, it's not going to take place this year because of COVID-19, but we have a pumpkin patch that we do on 12 acres here, and it sustains the nonprofits in the area too. So we do it with a rotary uh, organization too. And everybody here at Lehman Era is involved in a lot of different organizations uh, that are either economic development organizations, they're um, educational organizations, uh, they're tourism boards to try to give back. So by utilizing some of the land for, uh, for some of the community organizations here, they give back and it helps to strengthen Santa Paula where we're our main ranches. But we also do it in our northern farming operations. They're very good about doing this in Chile and Argentina at our operations down there too. Farmworker housing, we talked about that too. We're one of the largest uh, providers of farmworker housing. Uh, and it's land is very expensive. It's in, it's vital, you know, that people are housed properly and also housed in a way so the kids can do, you know, their schoolwork. Uh, it's, you know, they're, they're clean, they're spacious homes and they're close to their work. Uh, and then we use crews that are trained in proper, proper handling of harvesting procedures too, so that they know how to clip, they know how to do all the things that take care of the trees. So these are just a few of the items. And now what I'd like to do is turn it over a little bit to Edgar to talk about two of these specific things, or two projects that are uh, in more in depth. And this is Edgar Gutierrez. He's our vice president of farming operations. Um, hello, everyone. Um... Well, great to be here sharing some of our some of our initiatives uh, in all this um, sustainability journey. Um, that is a never-ending journey, actually. Uh, it's, you know, we we learn from nature every day, 
Um, knowing that, we're basically, and I'm going to elaborate a little bit on two of the main projects or two, two of the projects that we uh, are basically carrying on on our fields, uh, taking this into a more um, commercial application because a lot of there's a lot of uh, research as far as sustainability and practices and so on. Um, a lot of them in the research stages or in stations and things like that. But once once you adopt uh, any of this, uh, you know, sustainability approaches, uh, taking it into a commercial application sometimes is very challenging. So one of the most important uh, parts of, of our, you know, of, of our field is, is the soil portion, right? Um, so, you know, one of the main things now is, okay, how, do, how in a monoculture crop, like ours, uh, how can we increase, you know, the 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 biodiversity, the sustainability of all the resources included there? Um, a perfect sample of equilibrium of of all the components is is an untouched forest, of course, uh, where there is perfect recycling of nutrients um, and so on. But how do we mimic that into a commercial operation is, is one of the challenges. So we started with the soil. So we started incorporating um, compost uh, many years ago. And then um, just a couple of years ago, we said, well, you know what? We, we, we really need to measure the impact uh, that this is having on our soil and our microorganisms that live in the soil. And so there are many things and many variables that you can uh, start testing. But we said, okay, let's do carbon sequestration. Um, let's do water retention. Water is, is a very uh, limited component of our production nowadays. And so we need to do things and practices that will assure that years down the road, that we utilize this um, this uh, given by the earth uh, in the right way, right? So um, we are developing right now uh, in measuring actually carbon sequestration through um, different different materials, meaning different types of compost and the tonnage that we provide the soil with. Um, that's an ongoing project right now because we believe that there could be a potential of about four metric tons of carbon dioxide being sequestered by each acre. Uh, but we need to prove that, right? So we're in the journey of proving that. Um, now, this is in, this is in, in companionship with uh, CDFA, which is the California Department of Food and Agriculture. Um, so we have stations to actually measure how much carbon is sequestered by the inclusion of organic matter. There is a lot of activity of microorganisms in the soil and it's, it's a carbon sink. So that's, that's one of the uh, pillars that we're working on right now. Then the other one is uh, soil coverings. Uh, by covering soil, acting as a mulch, but this is synthetic, um, 
we want to see what's the potential on reducing water, okay? Um, there has been some research in, in some field stations proving that different materials can actually hold or augment uh, water capacity or water retention capacity up to 30%. So a 30% reduction of water in an environment like ours, and if you transpolate that to thousands of acres, it's, it's a lot of water, we say, right? So, you know, these are the things that we want to uh, impact. Yes, you know, there are two components to this. Uh, one is the economical return of, of something like this. And then the other one is, um, of course, the, the impact or the reduction of, of inputs from, from nature. Now, the other um, pillar that we're working on is biodiversity, okay? In, in not so much in the soil now, but in the, in the environment, okay? Um, so we have been releasing many, you know, uh, biological control agents over the years in our plantations. But one of the things that we see is that most of, of the interaction of pests and its biological control usually occur in the edges of our plantations. And of course, why? Because our plantations or any uh, monoculture is not so diverse inside, right? So all these beneficial insects, they don't really adventure themselves all the way into our plantations. Most of it happens in the outside. Why? Because most of the food source for these um, microorganisms or, or insects are usually in the edges, you know, in the edges of plantations, you will find small flowers that produce nectar, and that nectar is the sugar, it's actually the fuel for all these little insects, right? So what we started doing was, okay, let's, let's try to think on how to create a biological corridor inside our plantation so that these, actually these biological controls can interact better inside our plantations, farther in. Okay, so how do, how do we create this biological corridor so they can do a lot more control of the pest inside our plantation? So we started uh, mimicking a, a corridor uh, with different nectar, nectariferous plants, plants that just provide nectar and sugar. Um, and we call them, actually, we, we were thinking about a name, and then we say, well, why don't we call them fuel stations? Because that's what they are. They're, they're fuel stations, you know, that's, they go inside, you know, they refuel and continue their journey inside the plantation to do more biological control as they move in. So that's another one of the interest projects, interesting projects that we're working on right now. And I know we have very little time and I love to talk about this, because it's very exciting. But <laughs> You know, just, just to give you, you know, an insight of, of some of the things, you know, that, uh, that, that we're focusing in. Um, and everybody, you know, is just very excited because these are actually very exciting projects. You know, we, we all are uh, into it and, and, you know, we want to continue to provide more, more venues and more avenues for sustainability in our plantations.
Well, thanks so much, Edgar, for doing kind of the the deep dive on some of those things that you're working on. That is so fascinating. And and John, I thought the different things that you discussed gave us just a great kind of top level look at all the different areas there are to sustainability. And something I wanted to ask you is how do you guys decide what to prioritize when it comes to sustainability? Because we're talking about resources, obviously time and money are, are another set of resources. How do you make those decisions? Well, you know, we, and this is, this is something that I think that people, especially with COVID-19 too, is that people are realizing, okay, this is the next big challenge. The next big hurdle is sustainability. And I think it's just gotten more and more attention over the years. So, which is a good thing. And so our board, we're a publicly traded company, Lehman Era. And so you have mechanisms in. So you have board meetings and also special committees that decide, okay, ESG is a very important thing. So, and there are, since you are, we're a publicly traded company too, we have institutional investors that, you know, decide that they're going to invest in different operations around the world or different companies, different enterprises. And so they look at your sustainability ratings too now. And so there's several organizations, uh, there's ISS, which is a portal, uh, and there are probably 500 different um, metrics in all of these, in the S, the social, the governance, and the um, environmental factors that you need to address. And then, so we're looking at those, and then our board reviews those too. And obviously, every year, every public company or um, is not every public company, but every company is looking at their financial planning and saying, okay, here's what we're going to spend on this next year. These are the revenues that we anticipate. This is how it's going to look. And of course, everything changes, of course, because this is just the nature of the beast. But you prioritize projects, and Edgar and his team have probably the best uh, idea on the farming operation side of it too. And then we also have people that come in that say, all right, here's a great idea. Here's something that's new. It's a sustainable thing. And then we'll review it. That's what happened with the, um, all of the solar arrays here. We have seven on different, on different ranches around here. They come in, they make a presentation to us. We review it. We see if it meets, you know, it fits with our, our philosophy or our, um, our mission statement. We see if it's going to, you know, give us a return on our investment. How long is the payback on it? And then you, you, you say, all right, well, this project looks great. This project let's do later. Let's try this now. And it's a kind of a constant juggling of looking at things. But once you commit to something, then you got to test it and then you got to see if it works. And that's what's going on with Edgar's projects too. They're doing these great projects. They're seeing what the return on that investment is going to be. And then if it looks good or if you've got to tweak it or you've got to change things, you do that. And then you move on and you just over time, you know, kind of, uh, refine some of the things you're looking at, but sustainability is very, very important for our company. So. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, like you said, John, as, as Edgar is doing these different projects and exploring some of the, these different opportunities, you're seeing number one, how well it works. And then number two, you know, what are we saving in terms of resources or costs or things along the way that can kind of move this up the hierarchy? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a financial decision, but there's also, you know, uh, non-monetary benefits, too, that you take into consideration. 
A hundred percent. And I was curious too, John, like I said, you guys are, are working in so many different areas when it comes to sustainability. How do you pick and choose which of these to communicate to consumers and how does, you know, what you're doing in sustainability fit in kind of the broader spectrum of, you know, lemons are healthy for you because, or, you know, these are the different, you know, along with all those other messages. Well, I think very good question. Great question. And I think our retail and food service partners too are just as committed to this. In fact, I'm gonna get off a call right after this and talk about sustainability uh, for PMA with Ed Tracy. You know, and so, and you've got a lot of great people in the supply chain, either at, you know, our food service partners or grocery retail partners, but also people that are helping and you're in the agencies or they're delivering products and uh, all of, the, our customers, they, they're doing these things too. And so they want to communicate to their consumers because their consumers are coming in and especially younger millennials and, and younger people too, they want everything now. And I get it. You know, they want food with integrity. You know, they, if, they're gonna, if they're going to eat something, they want it to taste good. They want it to be healthy. Uh, that's why functional foods are so important, the functional food movement. They want to work with sustainable companies and they want to know um, that you're, you know, you, you have integrity and you're doing this right. And so what we try to do is deploy these messages. And I think people are interested in all of these different facets of sustainability. So right now, for example, now a message will go out tomorrow and it's going to talk about continuing education. Prior to that, last week, it was about harvesting, harvesting efficiently. Before that, it was water. Before that, it was you know, solar and on and on. And what's so amazing is that you're, you've got really great technological advancements. And what's so great, you see Edgar. Edgar talks about plantations, which is, this is his background. Edgar is, where are you from, Edgar? Costa Rica. Costa Rica. And so we have fabulous, fabulous talent around the world that are coming from all these different things. And so what you do is you take all of those cultural, you know, uh, components to it and, you know, great ideas come from everywhere. And so we're getting some really great ideas from Argentina. You see what they're doing in Korea and Japan. It's amazing. You know, and of course, Europe. Oh, my God. They were doing sustainability long before we thought about the United States. So it's just uh, really exciting and it's, it's a great thing. And so we try to communicate this to our consumers and to their cons our customers and their consumers too. And I think they find it interesting. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I think that about wraps us up. John and Edgar, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been so interesting to hear about all the all the different things you guys are working on. You could probably talk for days about all the different uh, areas of sustainability you guys are exploring, but we sure appreciate you all sharing your perspective. Well, we appreciate you guys too. And you're helping us tell our story. So, you know, we couldn't be doing this without all of our wonderful partners, such as the Packer. So, you know, we, we greatly appreciate the opportunity, Ashley. Well, thank yeah. you so much, John and Edgar, and we'll, uh, We'll move along to the next part of our Sustainable Produce Summit. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this great content from our Sustainable Produce Summit. We hope to see you at our next event. Remember, we've got West Coast Produce Expo 
the Global Organic Produce Expo, and the Sustainable Produce Summit, all as part of the roster. And of course, you can always read our reporting on thepacker.com and producemarketguide.com, along with our weekly newspapers and magazines every other month. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Let Us Learn More podcast.